Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. It's your girl, Sandra, ready to recap the first official Chicago Red Stars victory in 2019. Quite a weekend of events, uh, including a three-goal game that we have to recap for you all. And no one can do it alone. I know I can't do everything alone. So I'm here with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. The Scam Originator. How you doing tonight? Uh, I'm pretty tired. We had a long weekend, as did the Chicago Red Stars. But a win helps. Getting goals and having a victory for the season, three matches in, helps when you're really tired over a weekend of trying to cover this team we gotta take you guys back a little bit before we actually dive into this match there were some things that led up to this match that took place on Sunday it was a rescheduled match because this game was supposed to take place on Saturday and unfortunately some snowy conditions forced the match to be postponed but thankfully it was immediately rescheduled for the following day uh I think we should talk a little bit about sort of what we saw on that snowy Saturday evening Claire what do you think yeah I mean we were both there um we made the trek down to Bridgeview uh it was awful it was the thing the thing about it and and you know we we talked to team staff about this a little bit today it wasn't it was snow but it was really ice it was ice falling from the sky it was not really snow it was it was ice on your face. <laughs> it was ice falling from the sky that was falling onto the ground, but also stabbing you in the face. In the face, before, on its way down. Before accumulating on the ground. And also your body. It was a lot. It's like you you were hit by the ice, and it hurt, and then the ice. And then by the end of it, you were drenched as if you were in a, a rainstorm, because it would melt immediately, and then freeze again. I know... We talked a little bit about this snow specifically because we do that in Chicago. We like to talk about the weather out here. Shout out to Tom Skilling. But this snow in particular, I made a reference to the kit reveal evening where, yeah. I, where I felt this type of ice snow or whatever was similar. And it was both cold enough for it to sort of accumulate a little bit, but also melt <laughs> at the same time. It was super, super awkward. But yeah, ditto to everything you just said. It was, it was cold. It was icy snow and when it started to accumulate getting to the pitch I if you follow me on Twitter I, I have some photos and videos and stuff and I took a, a before photo upon arrival and it was pretty decent you could still see the green of the pitch coming up through the earth and then probably over the course of 90 minutes that's when you started to see this like white layer of icy snow on there and uh, credit to the players they all came out there to do warm-ups and get a run out and sort of get a feel for it but at that point, it was definitely some conversation should have been had. And they eventually did have those combos about it because uh, once warmups had concluded, um, staff and such had ceased trying to clear lines on the pitch. And then eventually there was an announcement on the PA talking about a postponement of the match. Right. I think the, the main thing was they went out for warmups and they realized that they were slipping and it's, you know, as everyone knows, you can play in snow. There are snow games um, when it's that slippery. And that is, again, the issue of kind of the nature of what it was. It was raining all day and then it froze and it melted again. Then it froze again. Um, 
that's where it really became unsafe. It wasn't so much that it was going to be a bad game, but you could have someone just the ground underneath them was faulty. And uh, so I think after warmups, everyone realized that this was not going to be a safe situation for the players. Yeah, so uh, after this match took place today on Sunday, we had uh, several players come through in the mix zone, and NWSL Players Association President Brooke Elby was cool enough to uh, stop by and chat a, li- a little bit about it with us, uh, talk- walking us through and talking to us about sort of what went behind uh, making the decision to get that match rescheduled, and we'll have some post-game audio for you guys uh, later in the show, but for this Match that took place on Sunday, uh, it was pretty funny. Saw the starting lineups. They were the same ones that we saw uh, previously the night before. Again, everything was uh, set in place to go for this match to kick off on Saturday. But once players got on that that pitch, it just was a, it was a no-go. So uh, things like the, the lineups had not changed. Uh, for the Chicago Red Stars, it was Alyssa Nair and Nett. Uh, Turner Davidson, Sarah Gordon, Katie Naughton, Casey Short running out the back line. Uh, Julie Ertz. Katie Johnson, Danny Colaprico, Morgan Bryan, Yuki Nagasato, and Sam Kerr sort of rounded out the 11 there. Uh, we had a couple days to think about it, or about a day or so to let that marinate. What were some of your impressions of that lineup, Claire? Well, well, the two main things were Morgan Bryan got the start, which was huge. Um, her uh, journey to health has been public and ongoing, and so seeing her get that start was awesome. Um, and then also, this was a question that we had upon learning the lineups uh, that we didn't get answered until we saw the teams come out, which was, is Tierna Davidson going to play on the outside? Because sometimes people, you know, the lineup graphics aren't always, you know, super accurate or people tweet things in the wrong order and you never know exactly until they get on the field. So um, it wasn't until Sunday at noon that we saw, yes, indeed, Sarah Gordon played left center back and Tierna Davidson played left back with Casey Short out on the right, um, which was not shocking. We've seen Davidson do it for the U.S. Um, obviously, Sarah Gordon has played center back depth in addition to outside back. Um, maybe only surprising in that uh, you would think maybe in this moment in time, those two players are better served in opposite roles. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked seeing that, that starting 11 in particular. I also liked seeing uh, the depth that they had on the bench there. Uh, I liked seeing Vanessa DiBernardo being an option off the bench. Uh, Michelle Vasconcelos, who's had a really good start to her season this year. Uh, players like Maria Sanchez and uh, Zoe Gorowski, who have uh, yet to see time, see time on the pitch, but it was good to see them uh, available as uh, depth uh, for this squad. And I thought that once we saw how the back line was going to look, uh, I don't think we were shocked because it's not like we haven't seen Turner Davidson play outside back. It's mostly been at a national team level. Uh, but we were just curious, how I think, how that was going to look at a club level. And it didn't look too bad. And somebody like uh, Sarah Gordon has been with this team already X amount of years and sort of know what she can bring uh, to the pitch as far as her role and reliability and, and being able to, to move out into center back and outside back uh, roles. At the very least, she has the pace to uh, keep up with uh, any type of scoring threats. So uh, it was it was good to see that. I thought uh, it was a little peculiar uh, really, really early on to see this rain team sort of uh, give all of this tremendous wide open space to a player like Casey Short. I don't know if they got the memo, but maybe they got it today. Uh, Casey Short took advantage of that. Players like Nagasato and Julie Ertz, uh, I think Katie Johnson, were doing a good job of trying to find her and switch the point of attack. And really early on, I think she had an opportunity maybe about the third minute. 
and then it sort of was a bit of a shot cross and then really quickly into the 14th minute she had another chance and this one she put away in the back of the net and all of a sudden the rest of us were up 1-0 yeah the rain were really weak on the outside all game and I'm not entirely sure why obviously well one answer to that is they're missing Megan Rapino and they're missing Steph Catley and those are two huge pieces for them um so they have Balser starting at left wing right now and she um she's been cool to watch uh going forward but defensively she didn't always track back as well as she could have and so she left Casey Short wide open um, also in that same way, I think Tierna Davidson, it took her maybe about a half hour to get used to being on the outside and the rain didn't push that. And I think they could have, maybe there was some space there to be had that they were not exploiting. Um, and then, you know, uh, the Chicago offense right now is playing really intelligent soccer. Nagasato saw that short was wide open. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It looked, I mean, it kind of looked like a shot, but I'm not sure it was. The other thing, too, uh, very windy again. So whenever a ball does something kind of like that Schross for Casey Short, I have to imagine the wind was a factor um, in her, against her. So I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was a great goal to start, and, and it would definitely set the tone because as of that point, it seemed like a very even match. For the first 15 minutes. Yeah, and I think after after she got that goal, then it was it was a little bit of a wake-up call, and people started to pay attention to that side of the flank and um, pay a little more attention to, to a player uh, like Casey Short. And there were some opportunities for, for I think, both both teams in this first half. I think we, we took a look at those first-half stats and even at the full-time, uh, full-time stats. For the most part, some of these statistics uh, that we look at were pretty even as far as maybe possession or um, successful pass rate and stuff like that. I think in the first half there was maybe like 5 or 6% difference as far as uh, possession for these two teams. But heading into halftime, uh, the Red Stars were up 1-0. And it sort of felt like there would be some more goals in this match. Uh, even for the rain at some point, they, they were finding themselves in, in Chicago's final third but just weren't doing anything things would just fizzle off or be offside kind a of lot thing. of really good crosses they were sending dangerous crosses in and, and again Chicago was um defending on the goal that was going against the wind so that was a little bit tenuous for them defensively but yeah people weren't getting on the ends of things or a lot of times the final finish had way too much on it so it was just flying right over the goal we were joking in the press box there were like six balls that went into the stands in the first half alone like there was a lot of odd firepower going on for both teams um and so the rain the rain's midfield press is so effective and effective against chicago today especially to start out but once they got the ball they it's like they, and not that they didn't know what to do with it. It's almost like there was no plan, and um, so it it's overstating it to say that Chicago got away with some stuff. It's more just things really weren't clicking for uh, for the rain. Yeah, no. One of my halftime things that I thought that I sort of observed it was a little peculiar to me because I know you, myself, and and John Haller, and it went to preseason to watch some of these tournament right. games, and in that match against the rain, Chicago had struggled a little bit with sort of what was looking like a high press yeah. from from the rain and it was you know regular season is obviously not preseason but it definitely was a different uh, vibe in that first half for sure it looked like the looked like the rain were 
going with sort of that game plan. But then I think once Casey Short started exposing all of that and using all that space that she was being given and then eventually getting that goal, it sort of shifted, shifted things for, for the rain. And so heading into the match, uh, 1-0, yeah, I definitely thought that there was going to be some more goals, and I thought maybe even the rain could have possibly tricked their way um, into one, but that, that didn't end up happening. And I thought it was – it's pretty telling. With, you have a player like Morgan Bryan, right, who's getting her first start of the season, and she's a, a player that's priced a lot for her patience and her possession on the ball and her ability to hold things up. And uh, for two teams that have historically played pretty tightly and close to each other and have been pretty physical, uh, didn't see a lot of players getting knocked around too, too much in this match. And then No, this a, was one of the least physical matches between these two teams I've seen in a long time. Exactly. And then having a player like Morgan Bryan being able to have that time and that space and that patience to be on the ball was, I thought, kind of kind of telling to the way things were, were going. But, but into the second half, I think that's where things really opened up for Chicago and they sort of continued what they uh, you know to show us what they were building on from last week when they started to put together some more passes and you know stringing together some attacks there and we saw this amazing goal from Yuki Nagasato in the 53rd minute that just was a bit of magician's trickery almost and like architectural skill we're just having this time and space and being able to essentially do a long distance chip it looked like yeah, part of that, too, is just that was indicative of how Sam Kerr wears a team down. She didn't score today, and she, you know, she had a really cool, like, one of the subplots of the match was her duel with Lauren Barnes, who was very good in central defense for uh, for the rain. Um, and Lydia Williams also, it, it seems crazy to say for a game where she got scored on three times, but she had a strong game, um, specifically against Kerr. And so you saw a lot of times either Kerr could turn Barnes but then get stuffed by Williams or Kerr couldn't get past Barnes. But what that turned into was a lot of deflections back. And so what Nagasato was able to do was to recognize that there was two ways that this particular one-on-one was going to go. Either there was going to be a deflection or Kerr was going to score. So Kerr didn't score. Uh, I'm not actually sure she touched it. I think it might have gone past her and then Williams hit it and it dropped right to Nagasato, who saw, you know, that Williams was off her line, chipped it over. It almost felt like she waited until the last possible second to get the chip off. But also that goes to show her patience in the attack because, you know, if she had done it too quickly, she could have missed all of that sort of stuff. Um, So that was that was a cool play and just goes to show that Sam Kerr's work rate today left options open for other players uh, despite her not getting on the score sheet herself. Yeah, after that really awesome goal by Nagasato, uh, that's when you started to see some of the uh, substitutions take place right around the 60th minute. Uh, Vanessa Bernardo came on for Morgan Bryan in the 61st minute, and Michelle Vasconcelos came on for Sarah Gordon in the 74th minute, and Brooke Elby came on for Katie Johnson in the 88th minute. And right away we saw a player like uh, Michelle Vasconcelos begin to make an impact. He's sort of become a bit of an impact player off the sub, that you know, that term where he like, oh, like a super sub kind of thing, coming into these games and providing this sort of spark uh, for this for this team. And she ended up getting an assist uh, in this match in a, in a late game goal uh, by Brooke Elby in the, in the 89th minute. And it was also something I want to know. I think it was really important to note that Morgan Bryan went, 
61 minutes today. So it's over the course of these three matches, you had this particular player go, what, about 14 minutes in that first match and about 25 minutes in the second match, and she went a full 60 today. And speaking with her postgame, she's talking about she's feeling good. Rory Dame's talking about how uh, they both like her progression and uh, the increase of her minutes. So I thought it was a solid game out of her today. Yeah, Rory said that for both her and um, Vanessa DiBernardo that to a certain extent, they consider those players to be a little bit ahead of schedule, which is awesome. Yeah, it's a big jump to go from 25 to 60. Yeah, it's um, And, yeah, and I thought she, she did well, and, and that also that also helps. Yeah, and then same for uh, same for DiBernardo as well, being subbed in in the 61st minute, going about 20 minutes plus, plus stoppage time there, I thought was uh, pretty pretty significant as well. But uh, that, that last goal where Vasconcelos just had the vision to – be able to see a wide open Brooke Elby who had literally just stepped on the minute before uh, and shout out to Brooke Elby because that was her first NWSL goal uh, yeah a lot of good vision to just see a wide open Brooke Elby and then just thread this ball through and and get it to her and Brooke Elby did her job and just uh, I believe she said she toe poked it she said she toe poked it it was very Elby was great and we'll have some audio from her later but um she she's a defender she's not used to being in the position she was in I'm not entirely sure we didn't ask we should have we didn't ask Rory why she went in up front but um yeah she uh it, it wasn't her first it wasn't her only touch of the game I watched the goal again she did have a first touch before she toe poked it but um yeah v- Vasconcelos um is a player that um you know we all know her story and she is a, I mean we talked about this before she's someone who she's really fast she's got such pace and her work rate is top notch. And then it always just felt like we were waiting for the mental part of her game to sh- the quickness mentally to shift, which just comes with time. And um, I wonder if maybe we're starting to see that a little bit more. Obviously, getting a goal in the second week is huge. Um, and she, I thought she was really effective. Even before she got that assist, she um, was really quick getting back on defense. Um, I thought she possessed the ball well. I, I I would have to look at her personal stats for the day, but um, she's a player that sometimes we'd be a little bit concerned about giveaways with. But it that's not the role she was playing at that point. And then she got she saw yeah she saw LB on the left. Again, that's on the rain for leaving LB wide open. But um, I yeah I think Vasconcelos kind of coming into her own right now couldn't be coming at a better time. They're gonna need her. They need her now. No, yeah, this this um, yeah, diddle, diddle to what y'all said. I think it was pretty telling to have a, a player like her in particular, sort of having the string string of games that she's been having, and then especially in this match that was billed as this World Cup uh, send off type of match, where a number of players for the United States national team will be, you know, heading out for for international duty, and uh, we're gonna start entering this stretch of games where a player like her will probably start seeing maybe some more you know, pretty significant minutes on this uh, stretch of absences for certain international players. But, uh, yeah, shout-out to Julie Ayers, who got a yellow card in the 68th minute on her World Cup <laughs> send-up. I thought that was pretty good. That was a good it, was, it was a really clean match. That was a tough tackle. <laughs> that was a hard tackle. <laughs> she knew it, too, as soon yeah, as it happened yeah. Long. She was like, ooh, yeah, that's my yeah, bad. Yeah, Allie Long's going to feel that one tomorrow, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that was cool. So uh, good luck to uh, the players who are heading off to – uh, national team camps and in, uh, in the World Cup and stuff. Uh, we'll uh, be watching and uh, hopefully. Well, I, I, one other thing too, it, 
that is significant as well in that um, we were talking about this, you know, on, on the ride over, just uh, the diversification of Chicago's goal scorers is incredibly important. Um, they were very Kerr heavy last year and they needed to be. Um, they also weren't healthy for a lot of last year. And I think that people underestimate exactly what that process was last year um, and why the technique shift didn't happen earlier. They were really injured. Um, but the idea that we have Vasconcelos scoring, we have Brooke Elby scoring, Nagasato's on a tear right now. Um, Kerr is still producing well. Uh, you know, I think C- Casey Short, like I think the, the, the fact that we're seeing a lot of different goal scorers is indicative of the system. And that's a really good place to be when personnel is such a question mark from now until honestly the end of the season. So the fact that the system is working and it almost doesn't matter who's getting that final ball is really good. I think when the match ended, that was my biggest takeaway from that match. I think we were in the press box and I tweeted out or mentioned to either you or John that in the last two matches, the Red Stars have produced seven goals. And I think having two high school scoring matches back-to-back like that is something that maybe we wouldn't have predicted out of a team that we saw last year. But maybe that's not so unpredictable for a team like this this year. Yeah, I don't really know where the rain are right now, but it is significant to beat them three to nothing. That, I, I saw somewhere, I'm not sure if this is true or not, I saw somewhere that this is the first time they've beaten the rain by multiple goals, which might be true. It, and Whenever it, these two teams play them each other, it's physical, it's close. Zero zero draw one zero game maybe a two one maybe a two one yeah uh, but like a, a but a three zero is no that just doesn't right matter. yeah that's an open game and that's not usually what we see in between these two teams yeah also just really kind of cool maybe even peculiar sort of coaching matchup again I think because of you know Vlaco and Dames and their coaching histories and their teams sort of going against each other we're used to those types of games which is why again this match. Three zeros, feels good. Feels good to have that first one be a, a shutout, especially coming off of a match that was wild and windy and, and thrilly and riveting, and that saw the wrestlers, yeah, put up four goals, but they ended up conceding four as well, and they were not happy about that. So Going, it was good to get the shutout. Yeah, it's at least a little bit easier to call last week a fluke when you pitch a shutout the following weekend. That helps a lot. Um, I think if they had given up a couple more. This weekend, there would be a lot more difficult conversations happening. I really just appreciate that the Red Stars came through because on this podcast, we both agreed that something we wanted out of this match. They did exactly out. what I asked them to do. And they just came <laughs> through. Just shout out to that back. I just coming through. And I, I told the staff when I walked in, no goals. <laughs> Not happening today, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> zero goals are happening. Yeah. I think it was like a 2-0. Yeah, I predicted 2-0 this yeah. morning. No, it was good stuff. Uh, but... World Cup players probably going to be bounced out coming up for this match. It's going to be away in Utah against the Utah Royals. Claire, what are some things that you maybe want to say to the Red Stars in this match? It's so hard to tell because we're in the twilight zone, right? U.S. players are gone. Um, I would say I'd be really worried about Kristen Press, but she's not going to be there. So it's hard to tell. Sam Kerr will still be there. Um, Likely, we don't know anything, likely – Nayer, uh, Short, Davidson, and Ertz will be gone. Possibly more. I kind of doubt it. You know, tell me I'm wrong in the you know in the future if if I'm wrong. But um, I think 
I think Chicago's depth is really solid, and I just think they're going to be fine. It might be kind of an ugly game. Chicago's going to be on short rest, shorter rest than they were hoping. Both Utah and Chicago were supposed to play on Saturday. Chicago ended up playing on Sunday. It's a Friday night game. It's going to be in Utah. They're pitching great numbers when it comes to attendance. It might be kind of tough. It might be kind of gross. Um, I think that Chicago is equipped to survive it. I don't know if it'll be a win, but they are equipped to survive. Yeah, I would agree. I think when Utah was branded as this new team in NWSL, I think one of the things that they people were talking about in general was just sort of the altitude and stuff like that. I but, am very proud of Chicago for getting that home opener. <laughs> yeah. So, but I was just I was just about to say, but you know, as we've seen, Red Stars have gone into Utah and. Uh, they don't have a problem. It doesn't look. It didn't appear yeah. as if they had a problem playing in the altitude and stuff like that. Right. Getting a getting a couple goals. You had Danny Colaprico in that home opener volley. Uh, Sam Kerr with the fadeaway blowaway kiss goal. Yeah. The other thing we might see, and and this is this is a whole other conversation, but um, Chicago has twenty players on their roster. Theoretically, at least four of them are going to be gone. We might see some new faces on that eighteen. Yeah, we probably will. Well, and we'll definitely see a goalkeeper. For sure. Shout out to Alyssa Nair, who in the mix zone said just that. Said in this league, it takes 20 players. Right. It takes all 20 players yeah. in a league like this. And uh, for Chicago, more than 20. Yeah. And probably a lot of teams, considering the yeah, true. The true, world true. Cup, the true, world true, cup true. there's going to be a lot yeah. of teams out there going through some there gonna be rotation. Some, there are going to be some people. I'm gonna. My prediction for Utah is there are going to be some people involved who were not on the original roster for Chicago. Yeah, I think it might be low. I think it might be 2-1 yeah. or 1-0 or maybe even a 1-1 yeah. draw. that sounds right. Kind of thing. Uh, I'm going to ask you for who you thought maybe was your player of the match and unsung hero for this rain match, and I'm going to ask you who you think might be that for next week. I'm going to go with one person for both. I'm going to say Katie Johnson. You asshole. I know. <laughs> I was going to say. I know. Um, it's really hard to describe what extra element she adds to this team. Um, and it, yeah, I don't want to wade too far in the waters just yet. There are some more conversations we can have about her later, but um, yeah, Katie Johnson is a connecting threat. She's so sturdy on the ball. She does. She cannot get pushed off the ball, which is awesome. She has her head up. She works hard. Um, I'm thrilled for her and also for Chicago. I'm glad that it's working. Um, and I think that she is going to be a player that with the U.S. Nationals gone, that is only going to shine more. I agree 100%. I think for this last match, I think it's hard to ignore a player like Yuki Nagasato and what she's doing. I was just going to say for Utah, Out they there. don't have Becky Sauerbrunn. Yeah. They're up against Kerr Nagasato and Johnson. That's yes. hard. Yeah, I would def I would definitely maybe highlight Nagasato as uh sort of the woman of the match type of vibe for this past match and maybe possibly into next uh Friday against the Royals. But I would definitely agree for Katie Johnson as the unsung hero for this past match and possibly next week as well. Um yeah, we're just seeing some stuff out of Katie Johnson on these game days that things that are happening on the ball and both off the ball that the Red Stars haven't had before in the past. And I something important that I want to note here is that she's doing these things in 
positions that she's unfamiliar with, not as a seven or 11, not just not used to being on the wing like that. And yet sort of finding comfortability within this role for this team in particular. And I think it's, uh, it's early, but it's a lot of fun to watch and hopefully will lead to some other really good stuff in the future. It's just, you know what, dude, you know what it is, dude. It's just nice to see a person thriving. Yeah, absolutely. It's what we hoped for, right? And and it's it's not always a given that the thing that you hope for is what you're going to see. And we've seen that in Chicago. We've seen that elsewhere where there's a player that you just really want to work and it's not working, but that just hasn't been the case. She just is exactly what everyone hoped she would be. And for a player that, um, you know, has bounced around a couple teams in a super, you know, she's still so young. It's I'm I'm very hopeful that she's found a really good spot here. Word. I'm sure she is and the team is as well. Uh, what a game. First victory of the 2019 season. Hopefully the first of many more to come. Uh, shout out to everybody who was able to come through on the rescheduled match. Uh, it was over. It was almost it was just under 3K, I believe, for the total attendance for the most part. And that was that was cool for everybody on short turnaround to just come through and be able to enjoy a, a nice game. So we'll have some post-game audio for you guys, particularly uh, specifically from uh, Brooke Elby. So enjoy that. But before you dip into that, I want everybody to know where they can find you and your good work, Claire. Yeah. Uh, I produce them on the Equalizer podcast. I do recaps for Hot Time in Old Town. I also write things for the Equalizer, When the Spirit Moves Me. And you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Scout Ripley, which is the name of my music project. Support your Chicago local band, Scout Ripley. They're awesome. They're talented. Claire is Scout Ripley and produces all of the music for all of your favorite podcasts, including this one. If you want to follow me and my shenanigans, you can do that at Sandarera underscore on Twitter. That's H-E-R-R-E-R-A underscore. If you want to find me and my work, you can find previews and key points for matches at hot time and all time you can find some features and other news related stuff to the chicago red stars at secondcitysoccer.com give them a follow and please support them got some stuff coming out soon on there if you don't do anything else whatsoever whether it's not following me twitter or anything else or even reading our work you should definitely continue to support the south side trap podcast the podcast that helps you stay on side with the chicago red stars you can do that on all social media channels, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. And you can listen to us on iTunes, on Podbean, and on Spotify now. So go check us out. Leave us a like. Maybe subscribe. Write us a nice little comment. Show us some love. We appreciate that. Everybody be good. And we'll see you next week. screaming from the sideline get up the field and I'm not naturally a seven or an 11 so it was really exciting for me just to be involved in the play and then to get a touch and I look up and it's just me and the goalkeeper and I see the opening right between her legs and toe poked it so you can see my shooting skills at work. <laughs>
Um, there was a, some discussion yesterday during the snow game and everything. I know you're president of the NWSL Players Association. Mm -hmm. Can you sort of maybe talk us through a little bit about your role in that, maybe sort of coming to the, helping to come to the decision to make the proponent? Um, I mean, my role in it is just make sure that the best interest of the players is always taken into consideration, um, especially when there's an environment and conditions that aren't conducive for the safety of all players. I think the league did a good job handling it. It just was a little frantic at, at a time period because it's just communicating with everybody. Um, I think everyone did really well with figuring it out and sorting it for today, but I think my role is just making sure I know my players feel safe. Um, and then we can reschedule to a day where everybody's just going to be in a better environment for the fans, the league, the players, everyone. Was there a push from the players? Um, I think once we got out there, we saw it was not what we had expected. I think we thought and hoped that it would, the ice would melt in the snow. And, uh, and, you know, it's not something that we have, like, a lot of protocol for because we're just – this doesn't happen very often at the end of April. Um, I think girls were sort of in between. They wanted to play because, you know, now we have a short turnover for our next game, but then it's also, we want everybody to stay safe. So I think it was a good decision, and I'm glad we got to come out here and perform the way we did today. When did you realize yesterday that it might not be a good idea to get that game in? Um, it's just, it, even getting out there, just I think a couple people were slipping when they stepped, and, and even just, like, it is not fun to play when it's freezing and getting hit by a ball. So I think everybody made the right decision in that, and I think um, everyone handled it really well. Mentally, of everything that happened yesterday, was a bit of a distraction going into this game. No, I think it was it was great. We we still came in. We all mentally could prepare, and I think yes, we were ready to play that game. But you know that's our job. We come in. We just have to mentally reset and get ready for the next game. And I think we did a really good job of that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.